We're starting a new series this morning called 10. Let me tell you something that I already know is true about you. You would love to be better than what you are right now. Let well, okay. There's a small minority of you here that don't want to be better than you already are because you think you're already as good as you can get. But that's the small minority of you. The greater majority of us, we are, believe it or not, we are part of the crowd in America that last year drove self-help revenue sales up to $12 billion. Let me say billion. $12 billion in the self-help industry. That's who we are. We want to be better than who we are. You don't have to believe in Jesus for that. You just want to be better tomorrow than you are today. Most of us can relate to that. Here's the deal. We're starting a series. The good news is I believe that it's possible for us to improve who we are. The better news is I believe that this series can help you do it in just 10 weeks. Everybody say 10. Just 10 weeks. And you can be well on your way to an improved life. That's the good news. Here's the sobering news, the part that's going to make you hate me, so I need to say it right up front, okay? The series contains a lot of tips, lots of practical stuff, lots of ways that you can be better at who you are, but the series is not about you. That's why we didn't go with the title, 70 Days to a New You. It's catchy. It would get a lot more people in here, but this isn't about self-help. This is not about you. This is about Jesus. So we called it 10 because here's what we want to do. Over the next 10 weeks, we want to challenge you to commit to some spiritual disciplines that, believe it or not, this, you're going to hate this, they're actually designed to kill you. Now look at the person next to you. They may not be here next week. These were designed to kill you. John the Baptist, you ever heard of John the Baptist? He made this statement. He said, I must decrease and he must increase. Basically, here's what that means. He said, look, I want there to be more of Jesus in my life. And if that's the case, there's got to be a whole lot less of me. Now, it's January, right? A lot of people join in gyms because they would like to have a whole lot less of them. <laughs> right? John the Baptist said, if he's going to increase, I want to have a certain amount of space in my life. And if he's going to increase, then I have got to decrease. And so this series is not about you. This series is about getting rid of you. This is about having less of your way and more of his. It's about having less of your opinion and more of his truth. This is about having less you, more Jesus. Less me, more Jesus. That's what makes this different from a self-help class. Self-help books have a basic premise, and here it is. All of us are good. We're just a little bit confused. If we can make the right choices, we'll be better. So basically, if we have the right information and we're in the right situation, we can save ourselves. That is the basic premise of any self-help book. Go to any bookstore, buy any book that has somebody smiling on the cover, that has anything in the title about how you can be a better you. And the basic premise of that book is you're already good. You just made a few mistakes. And we're going to teach you how to make better choices. And because you're good, it's going to make you better. See, that's not the gospel. Here's the basic premise of the gospel. We're sinful. We are captive. We cannot make the right choices. Basically, the gospel says, even with the right information and in the best situation, we will find a way to mess it up. 
And that's why we need a Savior. Now, everybody starts to go, I can relate to that. Because I want to think I'm good. But that's so true, Pastor Paul. Like in the best situation, I still make the worst decisions. Because that's what the gospel says is true about mankind. We need a Savior. His name is Jesus. And the next 10 weeks are designed to lift him up in every way possible so that he will increase and we will decrease. And the beauty of it is that at the end of 10 weeks, if we do this, you will actually be better. But not because you become good, only because we start to rely on the life of Jesus to be in us. So this morning, we're going to kick it off week one. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 3. We're going to start in, chapter, in verse 13. And I just, this morning, I want to share with you three steps. Just three steps that Paul took that can help us start the next ten weeks heading in the right direction. How many of you know it's really important to start heading in the right direction? Right? I mean, if we're, if we're going to go to the mountains, we probably don't want to start off going towards the beach. Anybody ever done that? You drive and drive and drive and drive and drive and you're like, where am I? And all of a sudden you're in Georgia. How did I get here? I'll tell you how you got to Georgia. You started the car pointed towards Georgia. How you start, the direction that you start is huge. So I want to share three steps that Paul took that will help us start off in the right direction. And then I'll give you the big idea at the very end. Let me just read Philippians chapter 3, verses 13, 14, and 15. Paul says this. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. Number one, here's the first step. We've got to learn how to forget what Jesus has forgotten. Forget. I like this son. I like that. Turn me into a brother preacher. It's going to be awesome. I like it. We'll work on y'all. It's cool. Y'all get one too. We've got to learn how to forget what Jesus has forgotten. Let's get the obvious out of the way. Right away, Jesus does not have a bad memory. Some of you do. I do. So, like, when I, when I read forget what Jesus has forgotten, some of us right away, you're thinking this. Oh, this is a great point. My spouse can apply this one immediately. Because he forgets everything. I know. I already said I'm the worst. Peru. I was just trying to deflect attention off of me. I am really bad. I mean, I know I can't remember squat, but this is not the kind of forgetting that we're talking about. Jesus is not like me. Somebody say amen. Amen. Even if it was, even if this was a verse talking about having amnesia, the truth of the matter is the things that you need to forget, you can't. You know, there have been studies done that prove that it's the bad memories that are the hardest to forget. So even the things that you need to forget, you really can't forget. Bottom line is this. When Paul tells us that he is forgetting what is behind, he's not talking about amnesia. He's talking about making a choice to not allow the past to control him. 
We could go into all kinds of things that Paul needed to let go of. That's not really the point of the message. Let me just give you a couple things you can jot down. He's not talking about just forgetting the bad stuff. He's also talking about forgetting the good stuff. So if you want to read the good stuff that Paul did, just read um, verses 4 through 6. Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. He'll list all the good stuff he did. I mean, he was a great church person. And if you want to read the bad stuff that Paul did, you can just read Acts chapter 9. So when he's talking about forgetting things, those are the things that he wants to forget. Our purpose this morning is not to talk about the things he had to forget, but to address why can we forget the things that are behind us? And it's for only one reason. The reason we can forget what's behind us is because Jesus does. That's such good news. Jesus forgets what's behind you. And because he does, you need to forget what's behind you. Hebrews chapter 8, just jot that down. Um, Hebrews is a great book. A lot of church language in there. And Hebrews 8 specifically is a chapter talking about a new covenant. So it's like there was an old way of doing it, and then Jesus came. And because Jesus came, now there's a new way to do it. There was, there was, in the Old Testament, there were priests. You would not want to be a priest in the Old Testament because basically if we had church like today in the Old Testament, my job would be to take all of the animals that you brought and I would kill them, slay them, blood everywhere, all over me. And every time I did, if I did it for you guys, then I have to like, clean up so I could do it for you. Clean up, do it for you. Yada 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 yada. It's crazy. Can you imagine being a priest back then? I mean, you think I preach long now? That's a long service. It's a lot of blood. It's a lot of killing. Just to give you sacrifice, cleanse your sins for like a year. Hebrews chapter 8 says, now we have a new high priest. His name is Jesus. Jesus is not up in heaven killing rams. Although, as a Wolfpack fan, gotta be honest, that would be cool. Thank you. Again, loving this side. Loving this side. Just for a second, 
Think about your worst day in the last month. It was today when they pulled out in front of you in the car and you lost your temper and you cussed out the person in front of you and then we're so thankful that you didn't ever see them again. It was when you made the worst decision you've made in a long time. Maybe you still live with the consequences of that day, right? You still think about that. You can even ask Jesus to forgive you in 1 John 1, 9 says that he is faithful and just to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Everybody say all. All, all unrighteousness. And yet here we are a month later and you didn't have to think hard to come up with a day. Because we hold on to what Jesus has freed us from. If Jesus has forgotten it, we've got to forget it too. Make the choice today to set yourself free from your past. That's step one. You've got to learn how to forget what Jesus has forgotten. Here's number two. This is y'all. So you ready? I'm going to count on you. you got to focus on what Jesus is doing. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I was trying to give you some stuff to say. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> focus on what Jesus is doing. It's really not enough to just forget. To be honest with you, we spend so much time and energy trying not to think of something that we inadvertently think of something. Like, you've heard this done before, but let's just have fun with it. Go ahead and just try not to, try to, try not to remember the number seven. It's impossible. In fact, here's the deal. In order to remember what we're supposed to forget, we remind ourselves of what we're supposed to forget. Oh, I'm not supposed to think of that number seven. Oh, no. You know the number. That number. What number? Seven. Oh, God. It's impossible. You can't just forget it. So how, how do we forget? <laughs> you forget things the way that I forget things. You, you ever had somebody give you a phone number and you didn't have anything to write with? No? Y'all never had this happen to you? Just me? Let me tell you, if I'm, if I'm on the phone in the car and somebody gives me a phone number to call back, as soon as we hang the phone up, here's what happens in my car. The radio goes off. I try to drive like this. I mean, I'm not looking at billboards. I'm not looking at nothing. Because I don't want any more input into my life until I can get somewhere to write down those seven digits that I'm trying so hard not to forget. And sometimes, I, if, like, if one of the kids is in the car, I'll be like, okay, you got the first three, and you got the second four. That's because I don't want any more. Because if... If I hear the number and then a song comes on the radio that I really like, in about 30 seconds, I'm singing. And then I'm doing the white man in the car dance. <laughs> and about a minute later, I'm at a stoplight and I realize I do not know that number. See, how do we forget things? Do we just forget it? No. If you want to really forget something, forget it and then focus on something else. So let's not just forget what Jesus has forgotten. Let's focus on what Jesus is doing. And what is Jesus doing? According to verse 14, what is Jesus doing? Jesus is calling you, heaven. he is getting you to the finish line. Now, how many of you, if we're honest, you don't have to raise your hand. I don't want to embarrass you. But if we're talking about finish lines, I mean, I, I run races, and finish lines are a pretty cool place to go, Right? If you ever want to have a good afternoon, just Google marathon finish lines. Because you'll see some people just cruise across, they're just like smiling. Those are people that you hate, right? 
And then you'll see people that are like, they're like within sight of the finish line and their body's just shut down. They're, like, they're doing like the, the leg wobble like this, you know. I mean, it's horrible, but it's really fun to watch on YouTube. <laughs> the finish line's a weird place. And if this morning, some of you are thinking this. Oh yeah, I'm going to the finish line. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, come back from passion, pumped up, finish line, no big deal. But there's others of us, and you are, right now in your life, you are the wobbly leg person, right? You don't even quite know what I'm doing, I'm just trying to get to the finish line, right? So verse 14 says that Jesus is getting you to the finish line. Focus on that. Don't focus on what happened behind you. Just focus on the fact that Jesus is your Savior, He's your Lord, and He is, according to verse 14, He is at the finish line. He is getting you there. Here's a couple more verses to write down. Just things that Jesus is doing right now. Right now. Everybody say, right now? Right now. Philippians 1.6, right now, He is completing you. I don't mean like in any harm anyway. Oh, baby, you complete me. Oh, come on, brother. Hmm. He, com he completes us. Philippians 1.6 says that what He began in you, guess what He's committed to doing? Finishing it. Jesus is not those of us who buy the latest book and read the first chapter and then put it up. And if any of you are like me, you've got a bookcase full of great first chapters. But you couldn't tell anybody how that book ended. He finishes what he starts. He completes us. Romans 8.34 says that right now, right now, he's praying for you. Some of you is praying that you wake up, don't fall asleep in here. Some of you, he, he's interceding for you. He's at the right hand of the Father praying for you. And I know this. Some of us are facing some situations that are so hard. You, you're looking for, like, the most spiritual person to have them pray for you. I don't blame you. The most spiritual person is already praying for you. Jesus, it says that he lives to make intercession for you. So he's getting you to the finish line. He's completing you. He's praying for you. And I love 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. See what it means. He's remaking you. I don't know how much money we spend in America on plastic surgery. I'm sure it's crazy. Man, we, I'm sure we spend billions of dollars out of our butt. A better looking butt, I'm sure, because it's plastic surgery. But... We spend a lot of money just to try to look better, just trying to be a little bit nicer. I mean, like, get my nose taken down just a notch or five. <laughs> but 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says that Jesus, he's already doing that. I'm a new creation. He's remaking. Aren't you glad? When you start making out, everybody has their bucket list. Start making out, like, your surgery list for Jesus. Hey, look, while you're at it. Why don't you remake this and this and this there? Did you do that for me? Same Corinthians 5, 17. He says, man, whatever happened in the past is gone because Jesus is remaking you. That's such good news. So it's not just about forgetting. It's also about focusing on something new. And how do we forget? How do we refocus our lives? It's all about changing our view. Verse 15. It says, all of us who are mature should take such a view of things. Honestly, the next 10 weeks, here's what we want to help you do. We want to help you think different. So we want to 
You want to completely see you give yourself to the Bible. We want you, number three, to fill your life with what Jesus is saying. So forget what Jesus has forgotten. Focus on what Jesus is doing. And fill your life with what Jesus is saying. The quickest way to change how we think is to change what we look at. Wouldn't it be great if I could pull this off, but I didn't, so I'll just tell you about it. If I could, if I had somebody walk in here right now, they were just, just got back from Salisbury, and they came walking in here, and they brought this dish in, and it had a top on it, and they set it right here, and they pulled the top off, and steam starts going everywhere, and you can, literally, you can see and hear the sizzle and the juice from the Outback Special, done medium, with a hot pink center. <laughs> if, if, we, if we start looking at that, can I just ask you a quick question? What, what will we be thinking about? Anybody got an idea? I'm thinking, where's the knife and the fork? Right? Because I want to eat that. Listen, it's not a secret that what we look at is most often what we think about. And I don't want to necessarily go there on you right now. But there are men in our country who have an extremely perverted view of women. Anybody want to guess why? Because they, they look at porn, which is a very distorted view of women. Because what we look at affects what we think about, and eventually it will affect what we do. It's not rocket science, right? If I brought in here big old signs that said 25% off, lots of women in here right now automatically think of them all. I want to go there now. Wendy be like, Paul, drop me off an outback, eat this day, I'm going to go get 25% off. What we, what we see is what we think about. So our plan, here's our plan, it's not rocket science. We just want to get you to look at something different for 10 weeks. Yeah, you already know this is true. For the most part, we think about ourselves, we look at ourselves, we look at our problems, we look at our situations, and so what consumes our thoughts? Our problems, our situations, us. But what if we could look at something different for the next 10 weeks? What if we start to look at the Word of God, and according to Romans 12, 2, we start to have our minds renewed? Here's some of the things that happens in the Bible when you read it. Number one, it has the power to reveal your thoughts, Hebrews 4.12. That's free. Tell that to your friends. Hey, if you read the Bible, it'll reveal your thoughts. It's got the power to reveal your thoughts. It has, it has the power to always do what it says it will, Isaiah 55.11. It breaks us and it sets us on fire, Jeremiah 23.29. It gives us life. John 6, 63 and Psalm 119, 50. It nourishes us. Jeremiah 15, 16, Psalm 119, 103, Matthew 4, 4, 1 Peter 2, 2. There's just four passages that talk about, I know there's no way you can write all that stuff in. That's why we put this stuff on the internet. Let's get it tomorrow. Four passages that talk about how 
We crave the nutrition of the Word of God. It is interesting that the people that most often crave the Bible are the people who just came to know Jesus. We get to be older, we get to be adults, and we start going, I can go a day or two without eating. Do that to a baby, right? We're not sleeping, crying all the time. We crave it. Our prayers that you begin to crave the Word of God. We want you to spend 10 minutes a day for the next 10 weeks reading the Bible. We want you to do it so drastically that we've created a reading plan for you. You'll get this as you walk out the door. It's a 10, 10, 10 reading plan. 10 minutes a day will get you through 10 books in the New Testament in 10 weeks. Here's what we're asking you to do as a church. We're all going to read the same thing. And we're all going to wake up tomorrow and we're all going to read Mark chapter 2. Because today you're going to read Mark chapter 1 because you're already behind. <laughs> we believe that when we do this, the Bible will change us if, everybody say if, yeah. if we allow the Bible to show us the right person. Okay? Now I'm going to say this, you're going to try to copy it down. If you don't get it, I'll put it on the recap sheet. You can just tweet this to every friend you have on the Twitter universe. Listen, here's what that means. When we're religious, we read the Bible and see others. When we're repentant, we read the Bible and see ourselves. Okay? So the next 10 weeks, you're either going to read the Bible and load up on ammunition about your spouse, your friend, other people in the church. I can't think they did that. You're going to load up with all this ammunition, and you're going to fire the people. And if you do that, you're religious. You might as well leave the church now because you won't last here. But if you're repentant, if you truly want to follow Jesus Christ, then when you read those same passages in the same Bible, you will not load up ammunition for God to use on others. You will be too busy saying to God, oh Lord, change me. So which are you? Are you religious or are you repentant? Because it will change how you read this Bible. I believe this. That if we are repentant, if we are truly following Jesus and we read this word over the next 70 days, he will begin to shine his light in our hearts. He will literally change us from the inside out. Let the Bible show you who you are. Let the Bible show you who Jesus is. When we fill our lives with what Jesus is saying, we find that our past has a lot less power and our future has a lot more potential. So here, let's wrap this up. We talked about some pretty specific action steps. Forgetting, focusing, filling. I want you to know this. None of these happen by accident. You've got to be intentional. Just on your sheet, write the word intentional. You've got to be intentional, okay? Here's what we're asking you to do intentionally for the next 10 weeks. I'm asking you to give yourself to four spiritual disciplines over the next 10 weeks, and here's what they are. I'm asking you to spend the first 10 minutes of your day in Bible reading and journaling. Now, 
last year we ordered those awesome gathering notebooks and we ordered them again this year and they were supposed to be here today but because of the holiday season everything got pushed back so they're going to get shipped tomorrow so we'll have them for you next sunday okay so find another thing to write it down in for the first week but i'm asking you in 10 minutes a day literally you can read a chapter and make some notes about it okay how do you make notes about what you read in the bible well if we were billy graham we'd be like Let's say the Lord about this kind of hand, we're not, right? So our journal will look like this. What the heck does verse 3 mean? Okay? And that's okay. Just interacting with it. Some of the verses are going to stand out to you. They'll be great. And some of you just might not understand it all. Just make a note of it. The first 10 minutes of the day, the Bible reading and prayer and in journaling. I'm asking you to take the next 10 weeks and commit the first 10% of your check to the Lord. I would love to be inside your head right now. Now, when you say 10%, what do you mean? I mean 10%. Could you do some math as an example? Yes. If you make $3,000 a month, you should write a check for $300 a month. Does the church need money? No. But the world does. And according to the verse that's on our envelope, you give it to God here, and we take it to them there. Well, I don't do that. You don't have to. None of the things I'm going to tell you are a law. You're not going to go to hell if you don't. Let me just ask you a quick question. Are you happy about where your life is? Or are you willing to try something for 10 weeks just to see what God might pull off? And I'm not here to teach on tithing this morning. We'll do that at some point during the series. I'm just asking a question. Why don't we try something different? Just to see. What happens if everybody in the church tithes? Well, we get to do cool things like give Koshi $12,000 in one day. Yes. If you're here for that, you know, that was amazing. Could you imagine if we actually had Koshi back and we said, we'd like to give you a check and it wasn't $12,000, it was $36,000? Because more than 20% of the people decided to give? Could you imagine that? I mean, I might like wet my pants hand in that check. <laughs> in a good way. That would be phenomenal. I would love that. I would love that. So spend 10 minutes a day in the Bible. Give 10% of your income just for the next 10 weeks. I mean, I'm so bold to believe this. If you do that and God doesn't bless you, I'll write the money back to you. I will, I will write you a check back. I'm that convinced that God honors it. I'm asking you to spend 10 nights over the next 10 weeks building relationships in the community group. Oh, God, there we go, the community groups again. I knew he was going to find a way to work it in. <laughs> you don't have to work in the DNA. It's just in, right? It is just who we are. We are a church about community groups. We totally believe that we don't serve Jesus in isolation. We serve Jesus with people. Okay? So some of you, you have never tried a community group because you're like, if I go one time, they're going to expect me to go forever. No. I just want you to go for 10 weeks. Just pick a community group and go for 10 weeks. Okay? Starting Wednesday. Friday. It's on the website. We will get you hooked up. Community group leaders, you're here. Why don't y'all stand up real quick? Go ahead and stand up real quick. Or Friday. Or Friday, yeah, I'm sorry. Or Friday. There you go. Okay? Um, you can see any one of these after church and say, I want to come to your house and check out what you're doing. All right? Community groups are awesome. You sit around and you talk about Jesus. We love that. 
Take 10 nights. Just 10 nights. And I want to ask you this. Have 10 conversations over the next 10 weeks. That's one conversation a week with other people in the church about specifically what you're reading in the Bible. I would love for you to have this conversation face to face. Let me go ahead and just market Connie's Coffee Shop. This is a great place to meet people and have coffee and open up a journal and a Bible and say, well, this week in Mark chapter 4, I read this. Just have 10 conversations. So we're asking you over the next 10 weeks, for 10 minutes a day, for 10%, for 10 nights, for 10 conversations, that's all. Will you die and go to hell if you do none of them? No. If you have to pick one, I want you to pick the Bible. Okay? So I look... There's no condemnation coming from me. I'm not trying to manipulate you into this stuff. I mean, I, I would love for you to do this. But I would love, if you pick one of those four, pick the Bible. Spend 10 minutes a day reading the Bible. Read the Bible, the same part of the Bible that the other 100 people in our church are reading. I want you to start to feel the power that comes from that. Because honestly, here's what I know. If you give 10 minutes a day to the Bible in 70 days, God's getting the other three. He just has this way of doing it. It's awesome. So here's the big idea for today, and I'm gonna one story will be done. Most of us, um, you know, I told you earlier this twelve billion dollar industry about um, trying to do self help. Most of us fall in that category. We will buy a book. We will buy a tape. We'll go to a seminar. We'll do anything to try to improve ourselves. And there's nothing wrong with that. Okay. But I'm offering you 10 weeks of a program that will cost you nothing except the most expensive thing to pay, your commitment. I'm calling you something higher than where you are. And if you're willing to commit, if you're willing to be intentional about doing them, then you will. Here's the big idea. Prioritize from compromise. Prioritize to keep from compromise. Now, immediately that sounds like time management, but it's not. It's value management. It's not about time management. It's value management. Here's what we know to be true, don't we? Because y'all drive past Gold's Gym. Every gym parking lot is packed in January and empty in February. Now, the bank accounts of the gyms are still full in February. But every, they're packed in January and they're empty in February. Why is that? Is it because people don't really want to be fit? No, they really want to be fit. It's because they want it. They kind of value it a little bit, but they don't value it enough to make it a priority. And so because they didn't prioritize that in their life, eventually they just kind of go back to the way things were. They just kind of slide back into what I used to always do. Okay? If you're not intentional about these four disciplines, I can tell you what's going to happen. You're going to walk out of here and go, um, the Bible, I, can, I got that. Ten minutes a day, yeah, I can do that. The tithing, maybe, but I can, I'll do 2%. You know, and I'll give community groups a shot for a week. Maybe if I run into somebody at the coffee shop, I'll have coffee and we'll talk about it. If I even think about bringing my notebook. See, that's not intentional, right? That's just like, I hope this accidentally happens. That's like joining a gym and hoping that you can stand in there and just breathe in fitness and weight falls off. <laughs> and look, if that happened, we would be rich. Can you imagine just walking in the gold's gym? Yeah, it's good to be here. <clears throat> cool, wouldn't it? 
It means getting out of bed when you don't want to get out of bed. It means going outside when it's 24 and running. It's, it requires prioritizing. Prioritize to keep from compromise. Here's the quick story, and then I'm here to go. My daughter, Sydney. Hi, Sydney. She told me I can tell you the story. Sydney really, really, really wants to get her ears pierced. Really bad, right? I mean, like, she has single-handedly surveyed every female in my family to ask them how old they were when they got their ears pierced. <laughs> so that she could come back to me and say, Dad, you know, Aunt Laura was, or Aunt Mary was, or Mom was. She is, she's hungry for holes in her head. <laughs> Years, sorry. So we told her one day, sweetie, we love you. We would love for you someday to have your ears pierced. But you know, when you get your ears pierced, it requires some responsibility. Now, I don't know. I've never had my ears pierced. But I'm just going to guess here. Just talking with you. I know you got to, like, in and out and do turn them and clean them. You got to do all this stuff so they get infected, right? You want to have stuff growing together and you have to redo it. Anyway, it requires all that. Now, Sydney, we love her, but she takes after her dad, and if her head was not attached, she would leave it at home. <laughs> just, she just having fun doing other stuff, and it just things like that don't matter. And, uh, you know, if we say to her, hey, go make your bed, and she's going back to make her bed, or when she walks in the room, she sees something else, then that's what she's going to do, right? And then we'll she'll come back out later, and she's, like, all happy, and we're like, so you get the bed made? Oh, dang, back to the bed. So we told her, um, we're a little bit concerned that when you get your ears pierced, you might not remember to do certain things. So we'd like you to show us some responsibility, you know, and stuff like that. She's like, okay. I got a couple pictures I want to show you. Don't move yet. We'll get ready. Um, that night, I went back to say prayers with Sydney in the bedroom. And when I walked in to her bedroom, this is what I saw. Let's see what the first one is. I saw a morning chart up on the wall. And she's smiling and a couple more charts to see. We have the morning chart, we have an afternoon chart, and I think we have a before bedtime chart. Yeah, bedtime chart. So I'm showing them the whole all of them together if you can. This is what's in her room um, on her wall right now. They're all next to each other. She's even attached a pen to the wall hanging down for easy access to the check marks. And I think we have a picture of like her maybe in the bed, is that right? Yeah. So that's kind of what, you know, she's so proud. She's so excited. She's going to get pierced ears because she's going to be responsible. Right? Now, to this point, this is you. I mean, you're not the girl on the bed smiling, but, but this is you right now because we've just talked about a lot of stuff today. Okay? Now, I know we're wrapping up. I know I'm getting, I'm a lead pastor. You get long-winded. I'm sorry about that. But, but all of you are in this position. You've already kind of in your head made some charts. I'm going to do this. I'm going to read. I'm going to give, we're going to give you a reading plan. By the way, someday you version is going to accept it, and we're going to be on the version. That's going to be so awesome. Um, and you're going to get journals, and you're going to, we're going to give you the tools. We've even created a website, thegatheringnow.com slash forward slash 10, T-E-N. And every day you can go there, and me or Phil or someone will write a devotion. We're just going to help you to kind of spur you along. We're going to give you the tools to do this thing. And that's where you are right now. But here's what I know about you. That's not enough. It's not enough. 
So the next thing I saw in the city of Hermon was this. Now, this is Sidney's head here, and this is her bed. We call that green fuzzy and cotton candy because those are her pillows. And on the other side, I know you can't quite make it out, but there's something stuck on that dresser. This is the first thing that Sidney sees when she wakes up in the morning. Go ahead and show them what it says. Recharge behind you. <laughs> Sydney is taking no chances that she might forget. Now listen to me. That is being intentional. I'm calling you, Gathering, to a higher level in 2013. We've kind of wandered haphazardly through some stuff a little bit too long. It's time to be intentional. So I don't care what you have to do. Notes all over the room. Whatever, I'm, I'm asking you to take seriously the next 10 weeks of your life. To be intentional. To prioritize. To keep you from compromise. Because if you don't prioritize this, in about 10 weeks, you'll be right back to where you are. That's just human nature. So this morning as we close, I'm going to pray for you. That God would help you to prioritize your life. I don't mind telling you the hard things. Some of you don't go to community group because you're out the other six nights of the week. And you're not out working. You're just that busy in your life. And so maybe for the next 10 weeks you create a little bit of margin so that you're home some of the other nights so you can make it. And we're not talking about work. I mean, some of you work at night. That's different. But create some margin so that you can give God when we have margin in our life, we can give God. Some of you right now, you're, I mean, tithing is, you're, you're still back on that. You missed the whole great laugh about this because you're still thinking, how do I give God 10% when I don't even have any money? You give Him what you can. You, you give Him what you intentionally decide to give Him. I can guarantee you this. If you have no money to tithe, and you make a decision over the next 10 weeks to tithe, you're not going to go any more broke in the next 10 weeks than you already are now. And according to Malachi, God will throw open, throw open the windows of heaven to pour out blessings on you. Okay? Just be intentional. Let's pray. God, I thank you for... This series, you know, to me it's so much more than a series. I mean, I've been looking forward to this for months. Because I believe that when we take the first 10 weeks of this year and we give you the first 10 minutes of every day just to read a chapter in your Word, just to make a few notes, just to, to meditate all throughout the day and what we read that morning, I believe, God, that what we all talked about looking forward to in 2013 those things are going to take place. People are going to be healed. People are going to be set free because your word is going to start to fill us from the inside out. God, it's going to be awesome. So I pray that today as we go home and as we kind of think about what we talked through, I pray that you would help us, God, to make this a priority. I know that if we prioritize this, God, that's the first step towards making sure we don't compromise it. 
I pray that you reveal yourself to us in your word over the next 10 weeks.